Oh, he loves the fire. That was a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. Boy, do I have a treat for you today. Jamie Lawrence, former Leicester City, Bradford City and Jamaica professional footballer talks to the halftime show about his journey in sports from prison to the pitch how he uses experience to help youth in development on and off the pitch is inspiring and how it felt like playing against players like r9 ronaldo steven gerrard and dennis burkamp you don't want to miss this folks on the only place to be at three the halftime show on pulse 95 this is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. Oh, he loves the fire that was a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Adori. I am your host covering everything sport, international and local Coming up on today's show, I'm delighted to welcome an ex-Premier League footballer who's actually in better shape than any other retired footballer I've seen anyway. He practices what he preaches and has played for Sunderland, Leicester City, Bradford City and Jamaica to name a few. Jamie Lawrence, welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Now, Jamie, man, what an honour to have you on the show, man. I've followed your career uh, for a long time and... Uh, and you're still going, man, and you look in better shape than, <laughs> arguably, than when you were actually playing ball, man. <laughs> uh, Jamie, you dedicated your life to the game first. Uh, what were your highlights playing in your career? Um, the highlight, um, the highlight played for Brazil. Uh, playing for my country. That's my first highlight. Obviously, playing against Brazil, who was world champions at the time. Yeah. And, um, Getting into the Premiership with Bradford City and staying there, and yeah. and then winning the cup at Leicester, winning the League Cup at Leicester under Martin O'Neill. That's but they're the highlights of my career. That's big. What was it like working under Martin O'Neill? Um, eventful, but he's the best manager um, that I've ever had. Like I learned a lot from him, like man management and the way he does things and about his winning mentality. Yeah, yeah. Well, and another thing you mentioned a couple of the uh, massive, <laughs> massive games uh, and and career highlights. But this is the one that you probably get all the time. And I've seen pictures of you with several of them. But I'll let you tell the half timers. Who was your toughest opponent? Um, Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh um, man! But, but the whole team at the time was a joke. Um, uh, normally, when I played for Jamaica, I had. Someone were, I would pick up. I was a man-to-man marker. I stopped their playmaker. Yeah. But when we played against them, there wasn't one man I could pick up because there's, a, there's about five of them, like Rivaldo, Kaká, Di Roberto, Ronaldo. It's a joke of a team. So it's the hardest day of, of my life, football-wise. But I think we acquitted ourselves really well. That's that's amazing. And how do you? Obviously, you're the, you're the ultimate professional. How do you? You know, let all that sink in when you're playing against R9. You know what? I was one of them ones. I just took things in the past, right? I was never starstruck against who I was playing, playing against. I was always one of them who wanted to prove a point. Yeah. 
so like, I'm on the same pitch as you, just so I've got every right to be on the same pitch as you. I want to prove how good I am as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because that, that character is almost... It's something that we, we look at nowadays and we look at the modern game and uh, and you've dedicated a lot of time into, you know, the club's youth players, academy players, you know, they come to you. What kind of advice do you give them to try and bridge the gap between old school and new school? Right. Um, I get a lot of youngsters come to me who are in the academy and they've got pro contracts. Big, big pro contracts. And that, right? But the one thing that I see what's missing is the work ethic. Right? A lot of them now like they all want to have the technique, but don't want to do the dirty stuff. Yeah. So, so I had a few boys were coming in the summer. Maybe they were having a few problems with coaches at a football club or whatever, saying that they fell out with the coaches and they're 18 or 19. So the one thing I said to them, I said, at the age of 18, 19, you shouldn't be falling out with no coach, right? You should listen to everything what they say to you, keep your mouth quiet, and you might learn something. And a, a few of them have gone back, and lo and behold, they followed it to the letter of the law, and they've signed new contracts, big new contracts, and being captains or whatever. I always say to the young players, work hard, be quiet, and try and learn, and, and never drop your standards. Yeah, and, and the evidence is there because some of them are now not only playing for their clubs but playing for their countries due to the advice that you've set and the manner that you've actually put together, you know. And, and do those players still reach out to you even though they've, they've hit big stages? Yeah, all the players that I've trained and gone on to better things, they always keep in contact with me and tell me how they're doing. And we still have conversations if they've got a little problem, what they don't know what to do, then they, they get on the phone to me and message me or whatever. And I'll try and give them the best advice I can. And of course, having been there and done that, that's something that they can look at and you know aspire to be like. And that's fantastic, uh, Jamie. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I've been there and done it. And I've, I've done it the hard way. Right? Yeah. So... So what they do, especially when they come and train with me, because I join in and train with them, I think it gives you more um, more ethos and they look up to you a little bit more, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Coming up next, we talk to Jamie more about his time off the field and how he turned his life around to become an inspiration to a lot of people, not just in the game, but in society. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, it is that time and on that show today, I'm delighted to welcome someone who is extremely respected in the game, a professional and a great man, Jamie Lawrence. Welcome to the show. How you doing, bro? Now, now, JB, your journey is remarkable to say the least because what some may have seen as the end of the road actually helped you turn things around. And having studied uh, your story, it's become not just a positive influence in the community, but to a lot of people in different sports. Talk to me more about that. Um, well, a lot of people don't know. Well, some, and a lot of people do know about my story. Um, my mum and dad went back to Jamaica when I was 17. Um, I was left in London. They wanted me to go back to Jamaica, but I've always wanted to play professional football. So I stayed in, in London and I ended up getting on the wrong side of the law. 
I ended up doing three years. I got three years in prison. Um, I've done a year and then I got out and then I got arrested very quickly again where I got four years which turned out to be my saviour. When I was in um, Camp Hill Prison, I played against a semi-professional side that came in to play out on boxing day. I scored two goals against them. Um, and they went to the prison officer and said to him, can I play for their semi-pro side? So the governor now um, has agreed to it after I had done 16 months of my four years. And I got let out every weekend to play for a semi-pro side. Um, from there, the team started watching me. And then on release, I had a few trials at certain clubs. My first club on trial was um, Southend, then Millwall, then Wimbledon. Nothing happened there. Then I ended up going up to Sunderland on trial under the old um, England captain, Terry Butcher. Wow. I played on, I played on the first day, and on the Friday, he sat me down in his office and said, like, you excite me, I want to sign you. From there, the rest is history. Man, I'm. Sh- <laughs> what was. I mean, the thing is, character. Again, we mentioned this in the first segment, but when you're inside and you've got the possibility and potential to be playing outside, and then that mindset of obviously things that you, you're, you're undoing the wrong that you did to make it right, but you're still staying positive. What, what was going through your mind in that process of being in, out, and also just getting on with what you're good at? When I, when I got sentenced again on my four years, my mindset was like, my career was over before it even started. I'm thinking there's no chance I'm going to make it. I'm going to be 23 when I come out. There's no chance. But when I played in that game and they said that, oh yeah, you might be able to go out or whatever, give me a glimpse, a little light at the end of the tunnel. And even now, like, I still talk to my old cellmates and whatever, and they say to me that, your desire, you was always going to make it because I will train from the first moment I woke up in the morning until the last minute at night. I'll train four or five times a day because I had a little glimpse. They gave me a glimmer of hope and I was going to try everything to make that happen. And when I come out, I knew I was I was going to make it by hook or by hook, I would make it. And football for me saved my life. And that's the thing, and that's what sport can do, especially when you use it the right way. And man, that's why I said in the beginning of this uh, of the show as the introduction, your story is remarkable, man. And you know, normally when people try and transition between it, they've always got an excuse. But for you, your work ethic, and even the fact you're still in touch with your cellmates, is just a credit to the character that you are. Yeah, and you know what? I've always looked because I was the youngest in my cell. I was young. I always took advice from my elders. And this is something that was missing from society today, right? And I always had the and respect, no matter how high I got. I used to invite my cellmates to my games and make sure that I included them because they taught me a lot and it's only right that I gave back. Amazing, amazing. Coming up next, we talk to Jamie about the importance of mental health as a professional athlete and how he dealt with it to now help inspire and influence youth. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Aduri on Pulse 95. 
It sure is that time. Welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international, local. Now, if you're just tuning in and want to catch up on any of our shows, remember you can view us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Just type in the Halftime Show with Omar Duri and we are there. We've got some incredible guests covering gut foods, mental and physical health, and even development in sport. And speaking of development on sport, we've got someone today who I'm honored to have on the show, and that's Jamie Lawrence. Jamie Lawrence, welcome to the show. Well, now, Jamie, once your your playing career is over, what goes through the mind of a footballer? Sorry, I was saying once once your playing career is over, what goes through the mind of a footballer? Because you know, sometimes you don't. Some people don't know when it's up and when you know they should convert into coaching, punditry, all that kind of stuff. What goes through the mindset of of an ex pro? Right, when I retired. Um, it was uh, probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with because um, even prison was easier than retiring because first and foremost you have structure in your life right? Monday and Tuesday you train Wednesday you're off normally Thursday and Friday you train and you play on Saturday and then all of a sudden that's gone and you don't know how to fill them days so People don't realise as well, a lot of relationships, football relationships, 85% of relationships break down after people have retired. Because there's a lot of stress, you're at home all the time, a lot of boys go into drinking, some take drugs. But my my saviour after a while, because I know I suffer depression, where you're wondering where, how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to do this, you're going to do that, because you're still have them sort of pace and the bills are not going to stop just because you're retired. So I struggled for a while and then I got myself back in the gym and that helped me a lot. That's amazing. And and having, you know, you mentioned depression and anxiety and mental health now is only something that's coming to the surface publicly, but it's been in the, in the sports industry for decades. You know, having been in the dressing room or even now when you are, you know, focusing on the youth or the academies that you work with, have you ever like looked around and seen someone that might be suffering from it or even have symptoms of it? The last bit, I never caught me. What was the last bit? So having been in the dressing room, let's say now, yeah. and you're in a different, you know, a different role. So you coach, a mentor, an educator, yeah. the person that you are. Do you ever look around the dressing room and actually uh, witness one or two symptoms in some of the footballers of today's youth? Um, not really, but it's a bit more open nowadays. You see, back in the day, uh, it was frowned upon, right? And players had a lot of pride, but now players are coming out and speaking about it, which can only help the next generation of players. It's, it's, an, it's no shame in admitting that you're going through a hard time. You know? And that's what I always say to them. If you're going through, if you're going through something, you can have to talk about it. Because Someone, someone might help you, you know? and by talking and talking about it, it helps you yourself. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And the modern day, especially now with several things like technology and social media, people are even exposed more publicly. Whilst before, you could kind of at least control. You could still feel it, obviously, but you can you can kind of control it now. Anyone can see what you're doing, when you're doing it, how you're doing it. Do you think it's harder now for the youth to kind of deal with social, tech, you know, technology and social media? 
Yeah, I'm, so I'm on social media, but I think social media can have the opposite effect as well. Interesting. You get all these people, all the trolls and all that. And like, just imagine you're playing professional football and all that, you've had a bad game. And you can see a lot of it, like the racism. And so it's because you've had a bad game, people are onto you and all that. And then I don't really agree with with all that. And the social media thing, anyone can get at you. And you're just in the public eye all the time. And that's why I, I always say that I don't know if I would have liked to have played in this era. Because mm. you can't do nothing. You're always under the spotlight. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, you said something there, especially with racism has been in sport and it's something that I've highlighted on my show now, you know, using the platform to be able to extract or even educate, you know, the the people who are uneducated, who are making those noises. But how, how important is it for the role models of today's world? You know, your, your Raheem Sterlings, the ones that are actually using their platform in a positive light. How important is that to channel that, you know, in today's, in today's listen, game? Listen, I love the, what Raheem Sterling is doing because there's a lot of players past, yeah, who've had this platform, not done nothing about it. Yeah. Right, they've not, they've not called people out on it, and back in our day, it was rife. But I understand why they've never done it because people say, "Listen, I don't make too much of a big deal," and you wouldn't get another club, right? Yeah. But Raheem now, he's a multi-multi-millionaire, so he doesn't care what people say to him now. Yeah, he can talk. He can talk the talk, but I'm gonna say that for these people who are racist, they are not. They're not born racist. They are taught racist. Yeah. As a young kid, when you come out, right, you're not. You're, you don't know the difference between black or white or whatever. Right? People teach you about racism right? until they get educated themselves. Right, when they get educated themselves, then it will never stop. And England keep throwing stones about people like Bulgaria and all that. But they need to get their own house in order first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, something you mentioned there as well, which was key. The whole Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez situation, which uh, for me baffles me how Joe Gomez gets booed for coming on as a sub for England. What was your take on that? I, I don't know why there's such a big deal made of that anyway. Mm. Right. What happened? Every club I've been to, up and down the country, stuff like that goes on all the time. Yeah. Right? It's not massive. Like, listen, there are two athletes, right, who have played in one of the biggest games of the season, which is the biggest game of the season, right? Emotions run high. Professional sportsmen live on the edge. And I'm not being funny, like, most sportsmen come from the inner city, so they've got a bit of fire in their belly. So, going to happen and it's important it's a big deal and for them to boo him something what's happened like that rubbish absolutely it's embarrassing huh? it is it is no I, I i agree completely you know having watched it from the uae and looking down and seeing i'm obviously looking forward to watching england play and something like that happens, which kind of gets out publicly, which I don't agree with in the first place. But even then, it's done. It's squashed. No, it had, it had to come out publicly. I'll tell you why it had to come out publicly. Tell me. Because there's too many people around the England camp now. People talk to their agents. A lot of people talk to their girlfriends. And it would, someone would have probably sold the story. So yeah. By them, by them coming out and uh, telling the story, it killed all that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well... 
Jamie, it's been an honor to have you on the Halftime Show. Um, before we leave, I want to make sure everyone here in the UAE uh, follows your progress. Are you active on social media? I heard you said earlier you use social media. Yeah, I'm on, uh, especially Instagram, Jamie Lawrence 7 on social media. So Jamie Lawrence 7 on Instagram and social media. And uh, anything we need to watch out for, because I know you, Jamie, man, you're moving in places, but I need to keep track of you, man. Yeah, my strength and conditioning is going from strength to strength and my coaching stuff. And I'm going into a lot of prisons and sharing my story and trying to inspire the next generation to do better. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Jamie, it's been an honor to have you on the Halftime Show. And as always, pleasure, I wish you all the best, man. I look forward to hearing more success stories and positive energy from you. You're not only a great football man, you're a wonderful human being, man. Stay blessed, brother. Thank you, my brother. My pleasure, bro. And I'll speak to you soon. All right. All the best. All the best, Jamie. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, bro. Well, that was Jamie Lawrence on the Halftime Show. What a guy. Honestly, and a phenomenal human being. And you know what? talk about positivity and the mindset to be able to change things that's full time on the halftime show stay tuned for more on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 you're listening to the halftime show podcast this is the halftime show with Omar Aduri You know, when you get that chance to use this platform to bring on guests like Jamie, um, it puts things in perspective. And, you know, on the halftime show, it's brilliant because people are going through things on a daily basis. And and hearing a story can help undo a mistake, you know, or a wrong or something that's happened in your lifetime. When you hear stories like Jamie Lawrence's on the halftime show, it's truly remarkable, you know, and... It is that time, folks. You know, we've reached full time on the Halftime Show. Remember, you can catch us every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday, 3 p.m. on Pulse95Radio.com, on the app Charger Broadcast Authority, and also on Capital 95 FM if you're in the UAE. On the only place to be at 3, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.